0: We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode of Wayfinding Growth is brought to you by Sprocket Talk. Now, if you're ready to take your HubSpot experience to a whole new level, you need to join Sprocket Talk as a free VIP member. That's right, free. Tutorials, courses, training, HubSpot updates, and so much more. Head to sprockettalk.com WG to join the movement and get an exclusive wayfinding growth deal.
1: Welcome to the show. I'm Remington Begg. Hey, and I'm
0: Dan Moyle. So glad you're here. I'm excited today because on today's episode, Remington, as you know, we're diving into the impulse creative journey. I love that we do these every, every other week is like outside, inside, outside. So I hope listeners, you're enjoying it. Because um, today's subject we're talking about is culture. So Remington, what, what did you love about talking this through on this episode? What did you come away with?
1: Yeah. So it felt like there are multiple layers of an onion that you were unpeeling as we were going through it. <laughs> yes, totally. um, but, but one of the things that stuck out to me and almost like a, a, a self-reflection or like that, like light bulb moment for me, while I was even talking about it was that as a leader, we have to be focused on inspiring a culture versus building it. Right. So the mm-hmm. first time I tried to do it, it crashed. And it was because I was focused on building one. Um, but the, the difference in, that inspiring the culture and what's what that's done for impulse.
0: Yeah, and it's cool to see that come out, you know, of our discussion and hopefully inspire those others who are going through that. Owners and and leaders, executives, whatever. Like you can't control it, but you can inspire it. I like that. Um, so I got out of it. I love what you said about the, how, how ownership as part of culture and uh-huh. what that means for employees and team members. What does ownership mean? So listen for that, listeners. And then uh, the other one was you, you talked about hiring somebody as like like marriage. Uh, and I, I was like, what does that mean? And he's and what you then what you said blew my mind. Cause I talk about this in, in, in marriage stuff with my wife and everything. Like you can't change someone, you can't get married and think you're going to change them. Right. Right. And that just, man, that blew my mind. So listen yeah. for that folks. Um, dude, great discussion. All right. Thanks. Listeners. Here we are. Season two, episode seven. Let's set a course for growth. I right, Remington. Here we are talking about culture, talking about wayfinding growth, man. I'm excited. Welcome back. Yeah. So I want to dive into culture. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit when it comes to hybrid teams, especially remote plus in-house plus whatever else we're doing today <laughs> in this day's world. Right. Um, but let's get, let's, let's center it first. Sure. Cult, what does culture mean to you as the, the co-founder and CEO?
1: So I, when I think about culture, I think about it very similar to how I feel about brand. Mm-hmm. Right. brand is like the image that you're, um, That people have of your company culture is almost like the image that your team has, or that your team can like unite upon uh, inside the org. So, like, if you looked at, you know, behind the mirror, if you will, like, I feel like everything behind the mirror is brand, but every everything's reflecting back at you is culture, and I think they're very well intertwined. Mm
0: -hmm. So, is culture kind of like the inside of the company brand?
1: Well, I think it ties in. I mean, you know, you've got to have something you stand for as an org, right? Um, and the people should be aligned with that. But I don't think it's something that a company can define.
0: Mm.
1: I think it's I think it's defined by choices, not defined by definition. If
0: that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I think about some of my experiences with with past companies and jobs and stuff, and and I and I think of culture as like. There's a, there's a few things there, right? I mean, societies have a culture. That's a, that's a big thing, right? Yep. So we talk about company culture. On one hand, it's kind of like you roll your eyes and you go, really? Culture? But in reality, it is the interaction between uh, employees, between leaders, all this kind of stuff. It's what people say behind your back. Um, you know, and I look yep. at it, too, as like it, it's, there's part of culture that comes from the top down and part of it that comes from the inside out. And it's hard to balance those things. But I noticed like like when culture is bad, you see it. You're like, oh, man, that's a bad culture. And I can think back to a particular company. I won't name or anything. But we talked about culture quite a bit there. And like, okay, great. Our core values are these things. Awesome. But we're not living them. Right. And like here's our actual core values. It's like the, the, the secret core values. And so when culture goes awry, it's really tough. Yep. So yeah, that's a, I like that. It's, it's kind of like brand, but inside the company. How, how do we think about culture at Impulse Creative? Like, do you and Rachel, your, your co-founder our COO, do you guys talk about culture? How do you kind of manage that?
1: So we used to obsess over it. Mm. Um, and, and I think that that was, so it kind of ties into what you were saying before with that other company, um, where they say what it is, but yet it wasn't actually that. Um, so when we when we first started hiring people, uh, you know, re, which really was like twenty twelve ish, we were very very focused on trying to be like the Google, right? Um, so we and, all think is it
0: right? Like, yeah. Well, I I, you know,
1: and Google does a great job of like branding all of that stuff in, but um, you know then. Fast forward a few years you start to understand how like different personalities fit differently and and how different personalities are needed because they're different doesn't mean that it's not needed right just like but you just have to understand how certain certain personalities jive and and the the big thing that we focus on now is like I say ownership but I like, I want to inspire ownership, ownership of the problem, ownership of trying to figure out the solution. And that's like the, that's, that's the area where I try to kind of inspire in that regard. We do have core values. Um, And it's funny because as an owner, I have to temper myself because I always want to blow them up. Um, But, you know, we've had conversations and our core values have changed uh, a little bit as we go. Um, but, the, but what's been interesting when we th- think about culture specifically is um, the first round, we'll put it, we were talking about, you know, ke- kegerators and beer and bean bags and, you know, a nice welcoming open air office and all these things. Now, we have all of those things still. But when we bought them and when we did that stuff years ago, the reason was for culture while now we're doing things to make people more comfortable right so because we've realized that the culture is just like the sum of all parts almost if you will um and we noticed quite a, we noticed when we had our chrysalis effect that we referenced a couple of episodes back that um that we the culture changed dramatically right because the the um, what we thought the culture would be or should be left with the people that left. Mm. And um, and what was cool is we started to see some things blossom and some ideas that we liked. And that was also when we defined these new core values. So, so yeah, I think it's intentional if, if you will in regards to like the aspirations of trying to have a healthy culture, but I don't know, that I have any part nowadays in um, creating it, <laughs> right, or right. or a or a majority stake in creating it, I should put. I think I'm one fifteenth of the culture now.
0: That's a, that's fair. I, you know, that's fair. So that crystals effect you were mentioning was when we talked on um, going becoming a distributed team, just like two episodes ago. How right. we lost a whole big a uh, bunch of our staff yep. and clients, and what that meant to you. So listeners, go back and listen to. Yep. Uh, um, episode five, I think it was. So you to
1: that episode twice. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's really smart.
0: Sure. <laughs> I love those discussions. Uh, so, so before 2012, you said when you, when you were hiring, it, was it just you? Was it the Remington show? Was it freelancers? Like what changed in 2012 that we began to hire? What was that growth point for us?
1: So, um, so it was Rachel. Well, it was originally me for like eight months and then it was Rachel and me. Um, That was from 2008 to 2012. So um, the economy wasn't the best back then. Uh, We didn't, to be honest, know enough about business to even think that we deserved to hire someone Hmm. um, back then. Um, But once we realized that, Hey, like we got something here, we can start to scale. Uh, The answer was, okay, we can't pull any more, you know, 12 to 12s. And what I mean by that is like midnight to midnights. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Right? And, um, and then we needed to kind of scale up. And so when we, that was the big pivot, but Rachel, Rachel was doing a lot of creative. I was doing development and sales and, uh, we decided that we just had to step into the, the big boy pants.
0: Interesting that you say you feel like you didn't deserve to hire I wonder, I wonder how many owners and entrepreneurs and, and even just executives like feel sure. that in some way, you know, um, I was talking to George earlier, George B. Thomas, one of our teammates, and, and we, we were talking about, about inbound coming up and how, how fun it's going to be to walk the halls, the three of us and see who's out there and you know, this kind of thing. Right. And so like for me in the HubSpot world, you know, I used to be on the the HubSpot homepage years ago. I, I was a case study. I've become known with my success with HubSpot, but I still feel pretty humble about it. And George has become an, a, quite a name with all the different th- things he does. He's still pretty humble. And he was like, dude, own your authority. Yeah. It's like, that's good. So yeah. I think that kind of goes along with this too, is like, own your authority. You'd felt like you didn't deserve it. Yeah. So how many people out there feel that same way? That's, that's interesting.
1: Well, and, and you know, with that, you're, I've always thought about hiring and this is my, maybe it's my approach, but I've always thought about hiring being a, um, like a commitment almost like marriage. And that's gonna scare away like 95% of applicants now. But um, but when we look at but when we look at that, right? It's we're walking into this relationship and with an employee, and we can't be like, oh, I wanna bring them on so I can change them. Right. Like we we have to bring them on as like this person I could live with for the rest of my life if an employee is hired as a temporary addition, then they should never have been an employee in the first place, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? Um, if it's contract, that's, that's a completely different story. That's not to me an employee, that's like a contract laborer for a project, like both sides know it's a temporary thing. Um, so when when I say deserve to, like we weren't in the position to hire someone. We were in, in a point of survival as a, as a company, as a as a couple, as an individual um, before that. And it wasn't until the point where we were like, okay, we can actually cover this payroll forever if we keep doing what we're doing and this person doesn't deliver anything, right? Like, and then it started to turn into, okay, that worked. (laughs) Or that didn't work. Like there were quite a lot of that worked and that didn't work, but we always went into it. Like I could work with this person for the rest of my career.
0: Yeah. It's funny because when you say 2007, 2012, I mean, you know, I think, man, that's like so close. That's seven years ago, man. Yeah. Like that's, that's a lifetime for some agencies. So
1: yeah. Kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of agencies that are, you know, that are upset about the fact that they haven't grown more than 30%. And they've only been open two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And I, I could not imagine starting an agency and growing faster than that, um, yeah. not having done it before. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's crazy.
0: So speaking of growth and being yeah. wayfinding growth, how does culture fit into growth? Like if, we, if I think of growth, I often think of more sales, more clients. Sure. What does culture mean to growth?
1: Yeah. So um, I'm going to add a word in there, the right culture. Mm. Um, so the right culture uh, allows, you know, Dharmesh uh, talked a couple inbounds ago about vectors and he had a talk he had with Elon Musk and how everyone is all all aligned on the same vector. And that really hit me hard. Um, That to me is like the elements of a, like just talking about how aligning the vectors, like a good culture is like aligned vectors. Um, So those aligned vectors are a a thing that are very much um, a piece of the right culture that can lead to growth. Um, having a culture, I think you have a culture, even if you don't call it one. Um, you're, you have people who have feelings, who think a certain way, and hopefully those are aligned, right? Um, it could be that they just are, feel like family, or it could be that they hate each other's guts outside of work, but they come in and they do their duty. Like there's lots of different cultures that I think can lead to growth. Um, but the vectors have to align. Like if the vectors are all over the place, like spaghetti plopped on a plate, Mm -hmm. then, then you're just, you're just there. Um, So that's just a thought that, you know, a thought I've got in that regard. But when you talk about a good culture, the right culture and aligning those vectors, I think that really the, there is no end in the potential for growth because that's where people start to become smarter, um, you know, work smarter on things, not harder and, And that's also an area where we can focus on how you can start digging in deeper to understanding how we can increase performance and increase outputs without increasing expenditures as an org, right? Mm -hmm. So so I think that it does help growth if everyone cares and they're all aligned. But again, that spaghetti plop on a plate doesn't help anybody.
0: Right. So, so you have to. You said earlier that you you are one fifteenth of the of the culture. Yeah. Um, but in reality, we you have to help guide it. You may not create it anymore, but you help guide it. But we can, but you can't force it. But getting right. those vectors aligned. Um, do things like hiring, and benefits, and uh, communication all come into play when it comes to that guiding that culture for you as the owner.
1: Yeah, so sounds incredibly shallow. Those are ways to acquire and retain. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that those are things that drive culture. Um, Like a caring culture in general would probably have those attributes. Um, But I think that when you start thinking about like culture specifically, no, that stuff doesn't matter. I don't think the absence of that would mean you didn't have a culture. Um, You could just be bootstrapped. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but I do think that it signals to the outside that you care about your people or you care about longevity, um, you know, and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, you know, I see our, our culture is, is growth-oriented. One, uh, one of our core values, that is basically invest in ourselves and our personal and professional development. Yep. And that's, a, that's a huge part of our culture, and I feel valued. You know, I I said a long time ago to myself, or maybe to my wife or somebody, like if I feel valued and I have autonomy, uh-huh. I'll I'll do anything, right? Like I mean, we all need a paycheck. Don't get me wrong, but sure. I, I feel like being valued and having the autonomy and the and just cared for, which I guess is valued. Um, sure, I don't care as much about the paycheck. Like I'm glad I get paid, <laughs> but yeah, but you know, I I don't care about that. I I don't want to come and say, well, you, I you know. a year and blah, blah, blah. If you've me a million dollars a year, but it's a bad culture, man, I'm out.
1: Right. Right. Well, I think, yeah. And I think that, um, I think that that's a great point. And I I think that if the reason that someone is doing something like everyone's going to work because they have to. Right. Right. Um, but I think that if that's the sole reason for existing at a specific company, like you could go do that elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's where culture is a competitive advantage, right? It's the familiarity. It's the relationship. It's the, the, that feeling of value you just mentioned. I think those things for sure help with growth um, and tie into those things because it's not profitable to be hiring. It's not profitable to currently constantly be training people into a new position and for them to, and for them to leave. Right. Right. Um, they should be there forever. Um, and that's why it's worth investing in people the right way. Um, but if I only think of it as a three month or a six month transaction, I'm not going to invest in it the right way as an org, but I'm still one 15th of that culture, regardless of how much I inspire it. Uh, because I can put a whole lot out there. The other 14 in this instance have to pick it up or not. Right. And, um, and so that's where, like, I would like to think that I'm more than one fifteenth. Um, of an, of a, a piece of the culture pie. But to be completely honest, I've learned that I'm not, and I don't mean that in a negative way at all.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I, and I love I, I see a quote every once in a while. I'm like I'm a LinkedIn meme or somewhere. Uh, somebody asks, well, what if I train my employees better and they leave? And they're like, what if you don't train them and they stay?
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Right, like the development is so huge. Um, so I, I want to get to the question that I want to ask in a minute here, but that I'll tee it up right now, but I want to go back to something before that. I want to talk about culture in a hybrid team distributed yeah. in-house, this kind of a thing. But before we get there, I want to go back to something you said earlier that'll lead us into it. You you talked about everybody wants to be Google, yeah. right? And, and I, and I, and I see this, everybody wants to be Google or Facebook or HubSpot and we all want the, you know, the free beer and the beanbag chairs. Right. But when you say everybody wants to be Google, what about their culture is so enticing? Is it, like that free stuff or is it something different?
1: So um, I think it's success porn. Uh, Google makes boatloads of money is usually the pinnacle of most startup stories. Um, isn't going anywhere. Right. Hell, heck they're now alphabet, right? Like, <laughs> right. like they literally have 26 word, 26 letters they could create um, additional Googles of. But when you think about like, they they landed hard they they have a lot of people they came out with methodologies early and when you think about like startups they're really one of the earlier startups that was actually successful like when when i think about like the companies in general like you can look at facebook and have a similar conversation about culture and everything they're going through a little bit of a a hiccup right now i'm not sure what their culture means but like Google's always been very clear from a brand and also from a, you know, and, and just from an organizational standpoint. Um, and I think that, I think that's where that aspiration comes from. And then, you now you've got like people throwing around hyper growth companies and stuff like that. I think there's connotations that, uh, that apply to each of those um, hyper growth ones being mo- mostly startups that are trying to get, turn into billion dollar fund, you know, billion dollar exits. But like Google, Google didn't do that to exit. Right. Like they're, they're there to like do something and be meaningful. So, so that's something that I think that's why people throw Google. And then of course, you know, they've got movies about it. Like, was it the intern or whatever? Like they've got movies of people being able to walk up to the coffee bar and not get charged and, right. and stuff like that. And sure. We want to make things comfortable. So people stay like there is a business transactional reason for that, right? If I offer you lunch for $9, you don't leave for an hour,
0: right?
1: you know? Like you'll stay at the office, maybe you'll take a half hour lunch instead of an hour lunch. Now that sandwich just netted me a positive return. There's obviously those like indicators about why they did it, but it's very public and and it's quite successful. So everyone wants to be like them. it takes you a while to own your own space uh how we've been doing it for 12 years and i don't even know we haven't answered but um but it's just one of those things that like you have to aspire you know and visualize something before you can start to try and build it yourself
0: and it's funny by the way uh listeners viewers remington just talked about hyper growth and these startups and this this dream go back and listen to this uh episode four of this season, we talked to Nelson Joyce and the anti-startup because that's not always the answer. <laughs> so that was a good one. Um, so, all right. So if that's, if that's the culture that we talk about, um, and, and, and a lot of that is the perks on site, how do you, how do you figure out culture with this hybrid team that we now have both, you know, uh, distributed remote and also in-house?
1: Yeah. So we mentioned it. I think it was season five or season five, fast forwarding into (laughs) um, episode five of season two. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about the fact that it almost like two cultures have emerged. Mm -hmm. It was not by design that happened by accident. Um, But it's one of those things that, again, I don't mind two cultures as long as they're aligned and going in the same direction. Um, I don't know if that's, if it's wrong. I don't know if it can be fixed. You know, it's just something I've never come across myself. Um, but the cultural, the cultural thing you know, part of our thing is communication, right? Candor is one of our core values. Speaking up, talking out things, talking about things like that. So the fact that like people have certain thoughts and opinions on one side versus others, even if they don't know that they, that they conflict with each other, like that's, that's some friction in culture. Um, I think when we talk about like a distributed team or a hybrid team, there has to be compassion, right? People have to understand that other people have lives. Most people do. Um, And I'm not saying necessarily for impulse, but in general, like most people realize there's compassion um, on the other side of the line. Um, And, you know, but a lot of that has to come with like speaking your story. Like if you're having a bad day, say you're having a bad day. So no one railroads you. Um, because they're like, what the heck is wrong with Dan today? Mm-hmm. Right? Be like, hey, I'm feeling off today. Mind not like razzing me with so many gift gabs. <laughs> I love the um, giftings. You know, and for the record, for the audience, we have a channel dedicated to just strictly gifts and memes. Um, that's the like the safe space so that we don't clutter up the rest of our lives in Slack but sometimes they get pretty crazy. Someone will be like, "Oh, my elbow hurts. And then you'll get like 47 <laughs> giffies that people are just like, it's a Giffy war that people go by. But that's culture, right? Totally. They're joking around. Um, but the balance of that, the inverse of the yin versus the yang is making sure people say that they care about that. Like, oh man, I'm sorry. That sucks, right? So I think when there's that, that balance, everything's cool. Um, but I think sometimes it's like, it's different personalities too. You know, it's, so it's kind of interesting how the same personality is pulled out differently in different areas.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting too, because like that, you know, you said, you know, somebody's having a bad day, man, you and I had that discussion just the other day. I mean, very, very honestly, I, we were talking like, how are you? I'm like, man, actually I'm having really just a crappy day and just, I just need to vent for a minute, you know, and I was frustrated with myself about something. Sure. I'm like, am I off base on this? And you were like, yeah, you're being sensitive. All right, cool, thank you. Like that, and that was good. But that that candor, that's the culture. You know, another another part of the culture that I love about Impulse and and how we do those things. So, yeah, have that is awesome. Um, so it's it's interesting to me too. Like we talk about some of the perks and, and things, and and we kind of covered this back on on that distributed team episode. But having a distributed team and having culture and having perks, it is different how often do you and Rachel talk about the difference between that, the people out and the people in when it comes to like headquarters, is it often enough still? Is it just occasionally because you feel like it's going pretty well? How does that work for owners?
1: So um, owners are plagued with the mindset that it could always be better. Hmm. Doesn't mean that it sucks.
0: Right. So,
1: um, so, you know, I, I've always operated on this, Ken. So are we operating 80% is actually acceptable and probably better than most others. Right. So is the culture 80% of where we thought it would be, or is the performance of this at 80% of where we thought it would be in most cases, that's a great sentiment in my opinion, because usually we're pushing pretty hard. You know, usually we're trying to go in certain areas but I still obsess like crazy over that 20. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so yeah, we always talk about that stuff. It's funny. We've had a lot of conversations about the dual culture stuff. Cause I didn't even realize that it was a thing until it was a thing. The <laughs> episode in episode five.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that's the beauty of doing these. Um, but you know, when we, when we start talking about that, like there are some examples, like we've talked about historically too, like bringing in one person at a time. Right. So that's working really well. Not not breaking up the, um, the momentum of the agency, but it's causing another area that starts to become a little bit more friction because people don't get to know each other in a group setting, you know, other than once a year. Right. So it's like, so there's always this balance that I think that you're gonna, you're gonna dance and it's trying to understand like, how well can we optimize it and is it even possible you know, is it people or a process? Um, almost every time it's people when it comes to culture. But how can we make the process make things smoother? Um, so, yeah, so we obsess over that a lot. Like, how can we, um, how can we adjust these things? We're talking about a uh, different way in structuring benefits, for instance, and making it more flexible. Um, those all, I think, tie into culture, not directly like, oh, that's a culture item, I can check it but tie into a, oh, they really care about us. And that 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 thought is what ties into the actual culture, if that makes yeah,
0: sense. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think culture needs to be a line item on a budget?
1: Um, your expense report, yes. Hmm. Because it's not going to be something you're going to be able to go out and buy, but it's going to cost you money for camaraderie is that something that you'll, you'll be able to put a profit line next to? Not directly, but it should help. It should help overall, like flying everyone in for a Christmas party does nothing for profits on the invoice. Right. But what it does do is it does align people to know, like, and trust each other more and start to get more motivated to help and that kind of thing. So that's kind of the thought process there.
0: All right. So let's talk about shipwrecks. Uh, I love getting into these kinds of things because so many of our guests have been transparent, authentic, and so have you. Yeah. Um, what culture shipwrecks or shipwreck have you and Rachel experienced?
1: Sure. So um, the the big one was the chrysalis effect. And I'll get into that in a little bit more detail now. But, um, you know, in general, when we start thinking about the the shipwrecks, it's going back to the this is what we want the outcome to be. Here's culture item A. Almost every time that we actually do it like that, that one specific item blows up in our face. Like the rest of the team probably has no idea, but it's like, that didn't work. Um, So like there's a lot of those, but but the most like glaring example is when we focus strictly culture as far as culture sake, that was, that was like, we, we grew really fast. Like I'm talking 300% year over year, three years in a row, things were just going and culture was a line item on the list because we needed to have a good culture, right? And so we had all of these things and we had people that they were a part of it. And it, looking back, hindsight is always 2020. Looking back, the problem was, is that there was no alignment in, in the direction of that like the core values we had were really principles of employment which to me are like this is how you don't get fired not this is where we want to go yeah right? yeah and and so when you don't have that aspirational direction for the company or when you hit that goal that you put out and you don't reassert reassert a new one the culture doesn't the culture and the people don't know where to go And so what happened is we busted through our goals so heavy and so fast. Like my 10 year goal was to have an office like Apple. That was like my very materialistic view. Mm -hmm. And then in less than three years, we moved into an office that we didn't have like the custom Italian marble floors, (laughs) like the, the magic, you know, the magic cabinets that came out of the walls. But like we had like a lot more of a quote unquote office than we did before like it was an old lawyer's office that we were in originally that had like drab burgundy and like you know mahogany chairs that were like not what you would consider impulse creative right and fast forward now like you won't be able to find that kind of stuff but all of that stuff that we did and that fast growth like we were just like we're awesome and we were and we are but when people got there they were like yeah we're awesome and then there wasn't as an organization like the vision to the next step and so what it did is i feel like like we're going and then suddenly suddenly like it just scattered in all these different directions and that's where those vectors really kind of come in so the biggest the biggest shipwreck in general was we didn't have that aspirational direction we had a couple people that weren't aligned on core values because we didn't have them. Right. We had don't get fired principles. And so they they paid attention to the don't get fired principles and we checked those off as a list. And what resulted in is that person was like, you know what, I'm not sure where we're going. Maybe I should take all these employees with me to this next agency that has has a destination in insight. I take ownership in that, that that's really where a big shipwreck was from a membership point of view, but people still suck. Like if, if people are going to be negative like that, then, you know, that's not necessarily something I own, but I fostered the culture that led to that problem.
0: Sure. I get it. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good lesson too. Yeah. How about a big uh, culture win for you? What's one point you've looked back and you're like, Holy cow this all came together perfectly?
1: Yeah. So, um, it's funny. I probably don't say this enough to the team, but this year has been really amazing because I have stepped out of service delivery more than I ever have before. Um, and I've also taken, like, I took a week off and nothing blew up. Mm. Right. And like, (laughs) like, so like, as an owner, especially one that like has been going through and like hustling in the way that I personally have been hustling. Everyone's been hustling at the office, but specifically like I haven't stopped when I left and I came back. I came back and had space in my calendar because the last time was several years prior and everything did blow up. Like I came back and I was like, what do I do? <laughs> Why am I needed? Like what's going on? And then I was like, hang on this is absolutely awesome. Not as a selfish, wow, I'm not needed anymore point of view, but more of a, like, holy crap, this is awesome. Like the team is literally jiving, the ball is rolling, and then you start to have the, oh crap, the ball is rolling and I have to get out of the way.
0: (laughs) So is that the big lesson from that? You have to get out of the way?
1: Well, I have to get out of the way. Um, I find anything that slows down at the office uh, is usually my fault um, because I'm a bottleneck. Uh, but it's a, but it's one of those things that like, I'm incredibly proud that I'm proud. And how do I get out of this situation to not slow down the team? Right. Um, I was actually having a conversation with Jackie. I was like, I'm really excited to, the, to be at this point where the agency and Rachel, and I talk about this all the time. Like the agency's moving to a point where we can't slow it down. Like just because someone's sick like I've been sick the past two weeks, like just because I'm sick does not mean the agency is going to slow down for me, right. um, which is great, but also sucks because if the agency has to slow down for me, because I can only do that. And there are a couple items that, that, that that, that falls into then um, you know, that, that's can be scary. But, you know, rewind a couple years ago. Um, if I got sick for a week, delivery get slowed down for a week. Yeah. And And clients are okay with it because we said that, hey, we're slowing down. But now there's a lot of payroll burning if I slow things down. So they can't. So it's just one of those things. So super proud of the team, super proud of like the momentum and the direction. Uh, And it's like one of those things that like each day, even though I'm obsessing about the 20, that 80% is killing it.
0: Love it, man. Great stuff. Um, What's what's a navigational tool that helps you figure out culture or maintain culture or guide it, whatever you want to call it. What's one of your
1: navigational tools? Um, so, uh, so being socially aware, hmm. uh, I think is one, but how, think, How's that? What do you mean? Socially aware of like your surroundings and not. So because I don't put a label on, this is what our culture is it's easy to listen to try to understand what it is and it, it, and it changes. It's just like, like the stock market, right? Like there's like really good days. And sometimes you're like, what the heck just happened? But you can't come in like the Kool aid man, um, and try to change stuff. Uh, because, because that's not going to help anything. Um, you know, it's really more of like the, the inspirational aspirational, like this is kind of where I think we should think about guys. Um, and it's one of the things I have to bring back. I had my captain's, not my captain's log, but like the weekly compass that we were doing internally. And then I got busy. But, um, but when we, you know, when we start thinking about those navigational tools, I think it's top-down communication, um, an open door process, or uh, policy rather. But like, if you have remote people, making sure that there's a door that they can open. So like 15-5 is that for us. Um, and I had a very interesting conversation with an employee on the team, uh, obviously uh, the, the other day was, you know, I'm quiet in those. And, and I, and I said to him, well, that's because that's a good thing if I'm quiet, because that means we agree with how you say you're doing, or we agree with the process of things. When I speak up, it's like, I'll speak up or I'll give like a thumbs up in the 15 fives And the, for the, for the audience, I think we referenced it in, in episode five. But, yeah, we did. But, you know, fifteen five is like this weekly uh, survey that goes out, like, on a scale of one to five. Uh, how happy are you? Um, if I expect it to be a four, I'm not going to question why there's a four. But if I think it's a four and then it comes in as a one or the inverse, I think it's a two and it comes in as a five. Mm-hmm. Like, both of those are alarming because we're not aligned. Um, you know, that kind of stuff is amazing. And then one of my favorite features of fifteen five, um, and it's been actually happening a lot today is watching the praise from teammate to teammate, you know, like Dan, you, you did a bunch today. I think there was like three or four of them like, Hey, so-and-so thank you for this, blah, blah, blah. And like, so it goes back and forth. And so the whole team gets to see this praise. And I think that. That appreciation that you see is what we feel as a culture. Uh, so fifteen five has been huge for that. And then personally, as a leader, um, my biweekly walks are a way for me to put my finger on the pulse of the individuals, and I think ergo the culture as well.
0: Yeah, those are both those are both good. I can see those coming into play often. So good, good navigational tools, people to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, so I think one of our, one of our greatest navigational tools as well, uh, for culture is video. The whole, we yeah. talked about it on a previous sure. episode, video first, man, especially for a hybrid slash distributed remote, whatever you want to call it, team. But even I think in house, like video face to face, that is huge. And I don't feel removed from the team. Like people would think, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm 2000 miles away or whatever it is. Um, so that's a big one for, for culture, especially remote culture. <laughs> you can. <laughs> awesome. Great, man. This is great stuff. Uh, we, we could talk all day, but we'll make more episodes later about stuff. Um, yeah.
1: But I so want to know. Have, I do have one, one thing that I haven't figured out. Yeah. Put this out to the audience. And um, this is my own self-awareness, making sure I listen to this in a couple of weeks. But um, the one thing I haven't figured out is from a cultural perspective how you continue to inspire people to provide feedback. Um, And what I mean by that is sometimes, so as an owner or as a manager, you cannot give yeses to every bit of feedback, but just because it's not, just because it isn't a yes, doesn't mean it's unfounded or unheard. Um, This is an area where I'm in my journey of it's not a no, it's actually a positive attribute, you know, when people give feedback or people um, give insight. So when we're thinking about candor as a core value, if we talk to management about something that we don't like or everything else, I think as companies get larger, they procedurally have to move slower, right? Um, And I think that they also have to consider more factors like, I'm fifteenth of the equation right now where uh, when it was Rachel and I, we could, we could change policy tomorrow. (laughs) Right. Um, Because it was just two of us. But, um, but the understanding as an employee, where your part is, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but understanding where your part is and the fact that uh, feedback may not be can be heard, but not acted on immediately at the same time. So uh-huh. I'm just trying to figure out how to embrace that. Maybe I just did. Um, and, you know, kind of share that soundbite, because I think sometimes uh, as leaders, we expect to be able to help people that way, because we feel that we should be able to turn things around. And at the same time as an organization, we have to respect the organization that it can't just... Pivot MBS for everyone. Sure. I can only imagine if we had a unanimous decision about something um, for 15 people at a board. Like, thank God we don't have a board. The board <laughs> right. is Rachel and me. But like, but like, you know, that's just one of those things. So, yeah. you know, that's an area where I'd love to hear people's insights about how they handle that. But maybe it's just talking about it, like I just did.
0: Yeah. Well, for listeners, I mean, if you have an insight. Leave a comment, Hit us up on social, hit Remington, Remington Beg on Twitter, something. Let us know what you what you, what you found. So that's good, man. All right. So off, off topic, we're going to wrap it up with this last question. Uh, what are you consuming right now? Reading, listening, whatever.
1: Consuming. So I do this uh, podcast roulette.
0: Yes, I love that. Uh,
1: which is so much fun. Um, and I've also been obsessing about Jay Shetty. I'm doing a lot of like emotional intelligence kind of consuming right now. Um, so I kind of burnt myself out on this marketing stuff. Uh, last year, I think I was listening to like 12 different marketing podcasts. Wow. Yeah. And it was just like drinking from a fire hose, but it was like, okay, I already know what this tastes like. Um, <laughs> and, and so I've been going really heavy into this whole, you know, inspirational, emotional, intelligent kind of thing. And, uh, Jay Shetty's podcasts do not disappoint. Um, And sometimes, actually one of the first ones that I found, it was like completely, completely like off the wall, nothing I would ever normally listen to, um, but parallel, right? Like I got one soundbite out of that hour and a half episode and I was like, this is gold. Um, So yeah, look at, look outside. And I'm a big fan right now because I'm busy of passive learning. Um, so podcasts are where that's at for me. So consuming a lot of that type of content. Um, and then, uh, Amy Porterfield too, cause mm-hmm. I'm also on this whole membership thing. So she's a rock. Yeah.
0: yeah. Her stuff is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. She's my, always my,
1: so inspirational and happy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and such great, just such great stuff. Um, so my consumption right now is, is a book that I've been reading. That's tough to get through cause it's deep, but it's totally outside of anything we ever touched and anything we ever do. It's, it's, uh, uh, about slavery and it's oh. two, two journeys of freed slaves of how they escaped during the civil war and stuff. Wow! It's their, their journey. And this, this guy wrote it. And then, uh, and then he shares their actual like handwritten uh, accounts of their escape. It's just incredible. Like it's so, you know, I, I never would have thought. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's yes. so good. It's so good. You know, we learned so much in, in school about the civil war and stuff, but it's, I mean, Victor's get to write the history, right? Yeah, exactly. And so it's interesting to, to to read someone who's been through it and what that was like. So I'm I'm reading that right now. They once were slaves, it's called. Um, so just, yeah, I love getting outside of what I do. Like you, I yeah. listen to a ton of marketing podcasts. I read a ton of marketing books. My bookshelf is full of marketing. You know, David Meerman, Scott, Guy Kawasaki, Scott Stratton, you know, Jay yeah. Bear. Um, but getting outside of that and changing perspective is so important, so. That's yeah. what I'm reading right now.
1: Yeah. I love that because it roots us. It lets us take a second to have compassion and appreciation for where we are, who, how we got it, what we got going on. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's a lot of really good lessons in that stuff. And I, I you know, living on the boat uh, years ago, like that perspective, especially for history is really interesting because like you talked about the victors write their history books. Well, over in the UK, they lost and they wrote a history book, right? Like, <laughs> so it's, it's like the perspectives of it. So I always like to try to find that, that other perspective. I think that's really cool that you're going that route. Yeah, um, But yeah, for me, passive learning right now. I'm just spun I get it, it up.
0: I get it. Awesome, man. Great discussion. Uh, we're, we're slated next time to talk about an interesting subject, how owning a business is like parenting.
1: Oh, man.
0: And and while that might give you a negative connotation, listeners at first be like, "What? People are just children." Like, yeah. there, there's there's an interesting thing that you said that what this was what, what sparked this. So, listeners, check it out next time because parenting—you can't force your kids to do anything, but you can guide them. Yes. So think about that. Tune in for next time for how owning a business like parenting. Remington, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Good fun. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it, post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend. Give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always, go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries.
1: Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.